also back at the information center. There will also be time between the end of our service and the start of the meeting for you to pick one up. There is no Sunday school today. There will be child care over in the ministry center for anyone who wants to take their children over there. There will also be no confirmation today. However, students are expected to be at the meeting this morning. At this moment, please take a time, please take a moment and greet one another. that's gathered here in the sanctuary as long as uh, as well as those listening on radio or watching us on Facebook live thank you for joining us this morning for worship at First Church now as we start our service all those who are able will you please rise and join me in our call to worship this morning is taken from Psalm 104 verses 24 through 35 how many are your works Lord in wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and Levathan, which you formed to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them your, their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breaths, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. 
He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to you, to him, as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth, and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. Please remain standing for our opening praise songs. My Jesus, Son of Heaven, and there's just something about that name. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way.
us from our enemies, from those burdens that weigh us down, from the thoughts that come in our head that are not from him. He's delivered us through his son, Jesus Christ, who is our savior, our Lord, the Lord of our life. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fills us that we bow down to him as the Lord of our life. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for gathering us to here together to worship you, Lord. There is just something about your name. Lord, we thank you for your son and his work on the cross that he, you went to such great lengths to bring us into relationship with you because that's all that you ever wanted is a relationship with us. And Lord, there's nothing that we could do to deserve that love or that relationship. You just freely give it to us. And Lord, we are so thankful. We are thankful for your love and that you love us more than we could ever comprehend or know. Lord, many of us are reading through your word this year. And it's such a blessing to be able to read together as the body of Christ. And one thing in the book of Genesis that just kept standing out to me was that you promise your presence with us, that you promise to go with us in the mountains and in the valleys, Lord, that you are always 
with us. Lord, we thank you for your presence and that you walk with us each moment of every day. God, we lift up those on the cares and concerns list this morning. We ask that you would be with them. Lord, you know their hearts. You know the situations they're facing. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would let them know that you are with them. Lord, that you would bring your healing, bring your comfort, Lord, um, and in your, in your encouragement as well. Lord, we also know that there are people here this morning that come in carrying heavy burdens. And we know that you can meet them here in this place, Lord, that you can lift those burdens off of their shoulders and put them onto yours, Lord, because your shoulders are so much bigger than ours. And you promise to carry the things that we are carrying on our own, Lord. You promise to take those from us um, if we just come to you. So, Lord, help us to come to you with whatever we're facing, whether it's big or little, Lord, help us to know that you can carry it um, and that you have us and that you you know our situations and that you can work in them, Lord. Where's your words from Matthew 14? I pray that your spirit would just speak through him, Lord, and that I pray that as he shares what you've laid on his heart, that our hearts and our minds and our ears would be open to what your spirit has for us. And Lord, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now I'll invite the kids up for children's chat. Good morning. How are you guys? Is anyone excited to see snow this morning? Yeah. Maybe hoping that school will get canceled tomorrow? No. I don't think it will. Sorry. No. Okay, so... We'll wait for a couple more to come in. Just a few more. So I have a question for you. Are you hungry? Yeah. Yes. Do you think we should just like skip children's chat and have some snacks? Yeah. All right. Well, I brought some snacks. Let's see what I have. Okay. Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. I have six crackers and a banana. I thought I had enough for you, but... Man, there's a lot more of you than I had thought. That's a problem, isn't it? Can we all share this? No, I don't think we could take small enough bites and have this go all over. Do it. We couldn't, no. We might pass some germs around that way, too, and we don't need that. Um, so this kind of reminds me of a story in the book of Matthew that Pastor Joel is going to talk about today. And uh, it was Jesus and his disciples, and they were really tired, and they needed some time to relax, okay? So they went in this boat, and they went to find a quiet place to rest. But when they reached their destination, there was a lot of people there. Remember, they just wanted to go and kind of take a chill and just hang out for a little bit. Um, and so there were a lot of people. That, the Bible tells us that there were 5,000 men. There were a lot of women and a lot of children, too. And so Jesus, even though he needed to rest, he saw all these people and he loved them. And he wanted to heal them and help them and teach them about the kingdom of heaven. But it was time to eat. And the disciples went to Jesus and they said, you know, it's getting late and we're kind of hungry. 
Send the people away so we can go and eat. And Jesus answered, they don't need to go away. You feed them. And they said, well, how can we feed them? We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. That's kind of like my little snack here. It wouldn't really go very far, would it? And so Jesus told them to bring the loaves and the fish to him and tell everyone to sit down. So he had everyone sit. He took the loaves and the fish, looked up to heaven, and gave thanks. And then he gave the disciples the food to pass out to the people. Now, if I were to share this with you today, you might be able to get one tiny bite. But does anybody know what happened when Jesus shared the fish and the bread with people? What happened? There was so much extra. There was so much extra. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, there was so much extra that everybody ate until they were full. Like maybe even Thanksgiving kind of full. Um, and so afterwards, they gathered up all the leftovers. And does anybody know how many baskets of leftovers there were? Not four. There were 12 baskets full of leftovers. Can you imagine these crackers and this banana feeding you guys and everyone here today? It couldn't happen, right? But God could make it happen, couldn't he? So what do we learn from this? Well, I think we learn that when we, have, we, we give what we have to God, and he, he can take it and he can bless it and make it so much more than we could ever make it, right? Even though we might not have a whole lot of stuff or a whole lot of food to share, the very little that we do have becomes a lot with God. Because with God, all things are possible, right? He can turn two loaves, two, loaves, two fish and a couple loaves of bread and feed a whole crowd of people. So um, that's what I want you to learn today is that whatever you have, you can give it to God. And he's going to take that and he's going to use it for his glory and to bless other people. So I want you to think about this week, what do you have that you could give to him? What could you give to him to be a blessing to other people as well? And what could he use to bless others from your own life? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this story. I thank you that um, you are a miracle worker, Lord, that you can take the little things that we have and make them more than enough. And so, Lord, I pray that, you, that we would give ourselves to you this week, that we would give the things that we have to you, and that you would take them and use them to bless other people in our life. We love you, and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Pastor Tori, you guys can head back to your seats. Now, Pastor Tori, I do have to say you play a dangerous game promising snacks to a bunch of kids and then, know. you know, not following through there, but <laughs> thank you for that lesson. I uh, want to invite the choir forward, obviously, for our special music during the offering. Our offering this morning goes to support uh, two, two organizations, the Auglaise County Crisis Center as well as the Auglaise County Group Home. So we encourage you to give as you feel led this morning, and that'll support those two worthy causes here today. Um, just want to also just encourage you guys, I know Tori mentioned it during her prayer, but um, we're, we're getting close to the end of January. I want to encourage you to keep up with that Bible reading plan. I know I've been blessed by it. I've had lots of conversations in the last couple of weeks of people that have been keeping up with that reading, and, and I, I know God's doing a lot of good things with that. So just want to encourage you to keep up with that uh, as we continue on throughout the year.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides the women and children. The Gospel of our Lord. Thank you, Maria. You may have a seat. Let's pray together again. Father God, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather here in this place this morning to worship you through song, through word, through prayer, and now through the the study of your word. And I pray now that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. When I was a youth pastor at my, my former church, one of the things that we would do to raise money for the youth ministry a few times a year was do like a, a lunch after the service. So our services were, you know, got done closer to lunchtime. And so after the service, we'd invite everybody down to the fellowship hall and the youth had prepared, you know, a meal, some, not anything too complicated, spaghetti, meatballs, chili, something like that. Um, and, and that, those meals always stressed me out because my fear was that we'd run out of something, right? We would, we would run out of food and I'm thinking of, you know, maybe a hundred, 150 people and, and that preparing that meal just would stress me out because I, I had no idea what to expect. Um, preparing food for people, not my area of expertise. Um, I'm looking over at Larry and Joyce, right? I mean, can you imagine how much food you need for 5,000 people, much less a couple hundred? Um, there's a lot of planning that goes into something like that. And I can't help but think of that as I read this passage from Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus feeds uh, the multitude. Uh, this is, in fact, one of the only miracles besides the resurrection that appears in all four Gospels. Now, if you've read through the Gospels, you know, back to back to back to back, you notice there's a lot of similarities and there's also a lot of differences. And this is, it's interesting that besides the resurrection, the feeding of the 5,000 is the one miracle that appears in all four of the Gospels. Something significant took place here, and, and the Gospel writers wanted us to know about it. Now, I think it's interesting, you just heard the passage read for you, that, that as Jesus was, you know, working with this crowd, they had followed him along, and, and even as he tried to kind of get away to have some solitude, they still found him there, and he ministered to them. And uh, then there's this 
exchange with the disciples about how they're going to feed this many people. And up to this point in the story, you have no idea how many people are there, right? You know it's a large crowd that have been following Jesus along. And it's not until the very last verse that the author of the gospel decides to drop in the fact that there was 5,000 men, not including the women and children who were likely there as well. So this wasn't just an after-church potluck, right? This wasn't just a fundraiser. This was a serious amount of people. And all they had was five loaves and two fish to go around. Imagine the, the, the surprise in the disciples' face when Jesus turns to them and says, no, you take care of it, right? You give them something to eat. They, had a, they must have looked at what they had and thought, there is no way that this can feed 5,000 people. That five loaves and two fish probably would barely feed the 12 of them, much less all the other people that were gathered there. And yet that's exactly what happened. Jesus supplied everything that was lacking. Jesus took what the disciples gave him. He thanked his Father in heaven and then told the disciples to go and distribute the food among the people. And in doing so, that, those five loaves and those two fish not only fed 5,000 plus people, but there was enough left over to fill 12 baskets with the leftovers. Now think about that. There was more left over than what they started with. It's pretty amazing. See, the big idea I think this miracle is trying to communicate for us is that Jesus is the abundant source of all provision. Jesus is the abundant source of all provision. We can look to him for everything that we need because he is more than enough for us. Now, first of all, we see in this story, there's a a practical lesson here that, that Jesus is more than enough to meet our physical needs. On one level, this is a story of Jesus feeding hungry people. You know, sometimes we are quick to jump to the spiritual application of passages like this, which those things are important and we'll get there today. But it's important to recognize that first and foremost, Jesus fed people who were hungry. Jesus met the immediate and the practical needs of the people who were with him. Don't neglect that fact. Ministry to those in need is a good thing that should not be neglected. You know, we, and, and we as Christians should do everything we can to try to help those in our immediate area, in our, in, our, in our communities who are in need. Jesus told another parable in Matthew 25 of the sheep and the goats. He said in the end, the sheep and the goats are going to be separated, right? And the, and the basis of that division is that the sheep cared for those who were in need. Jesus says, you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. You visited me when I was locked up in prison. And they said, Lord, when did we do these things for you? And he says, whatever you do for the least of these, you also do for me. Those things. They didn't care for the hungry or the needy. They didn't visit those who were in prison. And Jesus says, whatever you didn't do for those people, you didn't do for me either. See, God does care about our physical needs. We, 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 we think that sometimes we, we over-spiritualize things and we think that the only thing that matters is a person's spiritual condition and reaching them with the gospel. Now that is important and that is a primary need. But stories like this in parable of Ma- in Matthew 25 remind us that, that our, our physical and material needs are important to, to the Lord as well. And he desires to meet those too. And honestly, caring for people in need then opens up opportunities to then address the greatest need of all, which is the need for Christ, the need for the gospel. Both are obviously important things. 
And so Jesus is more than enough to meet our physical needs. And God provides both through extraordinary means as well as ordinary means for his people. And, and we see an example here in Matthew 14 of one of the extraordinary ways that God provided in this particular case. He took what little the disciples had and, and through his power and through his authority as the Son of God multiplied what was there so that everybody had more than enough to eat. This, this story reminds us of a story we also read in the Old Testament in Exodus. As God's people had escaped from Egypt and had par- passed through the Red Sea and after rec- they, they are out in the wilderness and they look around and they think, all right, Lord, you brought us out of Egypt. You, you, you brought us through the Red Sea. And now here we are in the desert and we have nothing to eat and nothing to drink. Did you just lead us out here to die? And so hearing their complaints and hearing their concern, God provides for them. And he provides for them by sending bread from heaven. Through Moses, he tells the people, just go out of your tents every morning. And on the ground, like the dew, you're going to find bread. Not bread like you'd bake in the oven, right? Just this white flaky kind of substance. And they called it manna, which means, in Hebrew, it just means, what is it? Because they had no idea what to call it. So they just called it, what is it? And we translate it today as manna. But that's how God provided for his people. Every morning, they'd walk out of their tent, and there would literally be food on the ground for them to eat. More than enough for their people. You see, there's actually a lot of similarities, if you think about it, between the story of God's provision of manna and the feeding of the 5,000. God's people were both in the wilderness. They were hungry with no obvious food source. And and then in that moment, God miraculously provides bread for them. In fact, it says the manna was collected every morning in baskets, just like the disciples collected 12 leftover baskets after the meal. And of course, with the manna and the feeding of the 5,000, everyone had enough and was satisfied. See, Matthew's gospel often presents Jesus as this new Moses, right? He is this new Moses-like figure who has come. And, and you see in Matthew 5 through 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is being portrayed as this new lawgiver, right? You've heard it said, but I say to you, right? He's even giving the instructions on a mountain, just like Moses received the Ten Commandments from the Lord on Mount Sinai. And here we have Jesus providing miraculously Uh, bread and food for his people, just like through Moses, God provided for his people in the wilderness. So God often provides for his people through extraordinary means, but we also must recognize that God doesn't always work that way. He can. He can choose to work that way whenever he wants. He's God. But I would say more often than extraordinary means, God chooses to work through ordinary means. And you see that also in the scriptures, for example, in the book of Acts, where, where God provides for his people through collections and offerings. It, early on in the book of Acts, it talks about when talking about the early church, it said they would gather together and that many of them even sold possessions so that they could give to those who were in need. Later in the book of Acts, we hear about different churches in different cities taking up collections for Christians in Jerusalem who were experiencing famine and hardship. They cared for the vulnerable people in their midst by providing food to widows and orphans. See, God used the ordinary means of generosity, of sharing what 
we have in order to care for those who lack. I heard a pastor once talking about how God has more than enough to meet the needs of the community, right? God has more than enough money to provide food for those who are hungry, to provide shelter for those who don't have a place to go, to provide clothes for people who don't have any. And the pastor looked out to the congregation and said, God already has enough money. It's in your pockets, right? God provides and works through his people to provide for those who are in need. That could be monetary donations, and it could be other, you know, giving to other organizations like Agape or our Daily Bread Soup Kitchen. I mean, there's so many places that do good work, and all of them depend on people to give and support them through financial gifts, through volunteering, and other means. But those are all ways that God does provide for his people. God also provides through the ordinary means of work. Now, some of us may think that, all right, you know, I don't depend on anybody else. I have a, I have a job, I get up every morning, I work hard, and I, I earn money to provide food for my family. You know, I don't, I don't depend on anybody else for help. But in reality, we must recognize that even our ability to work, even the opportunities that we have for employment, or even the, the abilities and the gifts and the talents that you have are all a gift from God in the first place, Right? At our very core level, right, even the air we breathe, this moment is a gift from God. The, the idea that we are self-sufficient is a myth in and of itself because God is the one who gives good health. He gives opportunities. He gives us the talents to do what we do so that we can provide for ourselves and for our families and also so we can be generous to those who are in need. And so as we think about God's provision, we need to heed the advice of Bob Marley and don't worry, be happy. Or should I say maybe don't worry, be content, because that's what God calls us to do. In Matthew chapter 6, he reminds us not to worry about our provision, not to worry about what we will eat or what we will wear, because the pagans worry about such things. Instead, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all those things will be given to you as well. God promises to provide for his people. It may not always be exactly what we want or may not be in the way that we expect, but we trust that God can and does provide for his people. And so we don't need to worry. And then he also encourages us to be content with what we have. In Philippians 4, Paul, in fact, tells us the secret to be content in every circumstance. It's a pretty famous verse in Philippians 4.13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, that verse gets thrown, a lot, thrown around a lot at sporting events, right? That's what Tim Tebow had on his eye black all those years ago. And many people take that verse and they think, all right, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me so I can be the best football player on the team. I can be the best at whatever I do. But if we read the verse in context, that's not what Paul is talking about there. He's not saying you can do whatever you want because Christ will give you the power for it. Instead, Paul is talking about his ability to be content in every circumstance. He says he knows what it's like to have a lot, and he knows what it's like to have a little. He knows what it's like to be hungry, and he knows what it's like to be well-fed. And then he says that's when he goes on to say that he can be content in all circumstances because Christ is the one who gives him the strength to do that. Keep our sights set on him, and he helps us to, to not to worry, to be content in every circumstance. And so we see that. First in this passage, this 
feeding of the 5,000 reminds us and teaches us that Jesus is more than enough for our physical provision, or I should say maybe our material provision. But second, we also recognize that this miracle reminds us that Jesus is more than enough for our spiritual provision as well. As I mentioned earlier, it's important not to gloss over the physical reality of the miracle, right, and what that points to. But we also don't just want to stop there either. We need to, we need to go on and, and ask, what is this miracle teaching us about Jesus? Miracles always point to a greater spiritual truth. And Jesus even spelled that out for us in Mark chapter 2, where he heals the, the paralytic, right? The friends lower him through the ceiling uh, because the crowd was so big they couldn't get to Jesus. And the first thing that he says is not be healed, right? Get up, take your mat and go. The first thing he says to him is your sins are forgiven. And then he heals him to prove or to show that he has the authority to forgive sins. And so when we look at miracles in the, in the New Testament or even miracles in the Old Testament, we must understand that they're first and foremost not, I shouldn't say they're not only about the physical reality of the miracle, that God has the ability to do these things or provide for his people in that way, but they're meant to point to a greater spiritual truth. Just as Jesus was an abundant source of food for the crowd, he is also an abundant source of grace, of truth, of love, of righteousness for all of us. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They had plenty of leftovers, which reminds us that we are never going to run out of God's grace and his love and his goodness. Another connection with the manna story from Exodus. They were provided this bread from heaven on a regular basis, but the trick was that they couldn't hoard it for themselves. They, they, they could only gather what they needed for that day. And any leftovers would spoil by the morning because every morning they had to go out and collect it anew. It would always be there for them, but they, they couldn't hoard it for themselves. If they did, it would spoil overnight. And here we're reminded that God's grace is never going to run out. It is new every morning. He is faithful and he's never going to change or, or turn his back on us. As we keep him as Savior and Lord in our lives, he will continue to supply what we need. I think it's interesting that, that Jesus uses physical food, right, to, to communicate this truth because that's something that we can all relate to. Physical hunger, physical thirst, other sorts of needs in our life are meant to point us to the greater need that we have for Christ. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger while there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim while there's such a thing as water. If I find myself if I find in myself a desire with no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else, the desire for my, 
uh, for which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that other country and to help others do the same. C.S. Lewis recognized that these physical desires we have, right, are, are satisfied by something. I, I hunger, therefore there's food. I thirst, therefore there's water. But we've all been created with a spiritual desire, a spiritual longing for something that this world just cannot satisfy. Therefore, there must be something beyond this world, beyond what we can see and touch and sense that satisfies that desire. And that something is Jesus. In John 4, Jesus had an encounter with the woman at the well. And he, in that instance, used water to communicate the same truth. He told her that she can drink from that well and that water, but she will thirst again. And then he says, drink the living water I give you, and you will never thirst again. Only Jesus can satisfy our greatest spiritual needs and our greatest longings that we have in this life. And so the question arises, how does Jesus meet these spiritual needs? Well, again, the imagery of the bread here in this story, I think, is meant to point us to something important. We can look back and see how God provided for his people with manna in the desert in the Old Testament. But I believe the Gospel of Matthew is pointing us forward to something that Jesus will do later in his ministry. It says in Matthew 14 that he took the bread and having told them to sit down, it says he looked up to heaven, gave thanks, and he broke the loaves. I think Matthew is painting a picture here for us of something that we will read later on in the Gospel about that night when Jesus gathered his disciples together for his last meal. And in the Gospels, it says that Jesus on that night took bread and gave thanks and broke it and then shared it with his disciples. And what did that bread represent? It was his body broken for us. See, communion, the Lord's Supper, it, it, it points us to Jesus' death and resurrection. And that is how he satisfies our greatest longings and needs through his shed blood on the cross, through his body broken for us. Jesus died so that we may live. Even the Gospel of John calls him the bread of life, the bread of life given for us. So Jesus is more than enough to meet our physical needs. He's more than enough to meet our spiritual needs. And finally, the last thing I want to share with you here today is that Jesus chooses to meet our needs through his people. Again, we often, looking again at Matthew 14, think about how Jesus provides for the 5,000. He asks the disciples what they have to offer. And he takes their, their offering, meager as it was, and he blesses it. But then he gives it back to the disciples to distribute it. Jesus was working with what the disciples were able to offer to him, but then he also used the disciples to then pass out the food so that the people had enough to eat. They're the ones who supply the loaves and the fish. Jesus is the one who does the miracle, but they, the disciples then are the ones who give back and distribute it. The disciples gave what they had and Jesus did the rest. And here's the takeaway for us to remember from that that Jesus chooses to work in and through his people to accomplish his will. And he still does that today. 
you are his people, right? You are the church. He chooses to work through you and me to do his will in the world. We may not feel like we have much to offer, right? We may feel like our offering is only a a couple small fish and a few measly loaves of bread. But look what Jesus was able to do with that, with the feeding of the 5,000. He can do that again, right? I'm I'm not talking about the physical miracle of the food here. I'm talking about what he's able to do and accomplish through us and through you, right? Give him the little that you feel like you have. You may not feel qualified or equipped for those who are in need. But just as we must, just as we remember here, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He's calling you to give what you have, even if it's not much. Give what you have to him and he will do amazing things with it. Again, one of the things I think is great about this Bible reading plan is as we're reading from both the Old Testament and the New Testament, I can't help but notice the, the connections between the two. And uh, for those that are following along, I think we're, 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 into, we're beginning to get into Exodus. In Exodus chapter 3, we see the Moses in the burning bush and, and God calling Moses to go to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh to set his people free. And Moses' first response is, who am I, right? Who am I to be the one to do this? I don't have much to offer. You know what the Lord's response was? He told Moses, I will certainly be with you, right? That's what makes the difference. It wasn't Moses' ability. It wasn't Moses' power, Moses' strength. What made the difference was, was God working in and through Moses, and Aaron, and others to accomplish what needed to be done. It wasn't about Moses. It was about the God who was working in and through Moses to accomplish his will. And so I encourage you today, be generous. We have received much, and we should be willing to give freely. God will supply, God's supply will never run out. And just like the disciples, I encourage you to go and do likewise. Jesus worked in and through his disciples here. Earlier in Matthew, he sent them out to to minister to the surrounding communities, to go and do the things that they saw Jesus do. And he also sends us out. And like Moses, you may say, who am I, right? I don't have much to offer. But again, it's not about you. It's not about the offering that you are able to provide. It's about what God is able to do in and through it. And God can do amazing things. He is more than enough for us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we are able to study your word together. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are more than enough for us, that you are more than enough for our physical provision. You are more than enough to meet our spiritual needs, the greatest, Lord, of which is the need for forgiveness and restoration. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that it is because you died and rose again that we can experience that for ourselves. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service of worship today, I invite you to stand and join us as we sing our final song, Hymn of Heaven.
take a moment and offer a couple reminders before we close our service. Uh, after we wrap up here, uh, we will have our annual congregational meeting. Uh, for those of you who are visiting with us today and are not a member of the church, we are so glad that you joined us for worship this morning. Um, you are welcome, I guess, and we're not going to kick you out necessarily, but a congregational business meeting might not be the most exciting thing in the world, but we're so glad you joined us today and we hope you have a wonderful day. If you are a member here with us, we do encourage you to stay um, so we can do what we need to do for our, our business meeting. Uh, for fa young families with young children uh, that do want to stay, there is going to be child care provided in the ministry center uh, by a couple of our uh, a couple of volunteers. So I encourage you. Um, we'll give you a few minutes to head over there, drop them off, and come back if that's what you want to do, and uh, have a few minutes to kind of turn some things around here. Uh, but we do plan to get started uh, within a few minutes. So thank you all for being here today again. And let me offer this up as a benediction this morning. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may go in peace.